Well, good morning, everybody. We're going to finalize our sermon series today on entitled New. I just thought it would be helpful if we took the whole month of January just talking about ways we could grow as a community, as a people, and reflect Christ better in the world. We talked about serving. We talked about giving. We talked about hospitality. We talked about setting boundaries. And today we're going to talk about living a quiet life. I'm not sure how many people this year said, you know, one of my aspirations this year is I'm going to live a quiet life. How many people that was on your list? No. But the truth is, the quiet life is a life that's pleasing to God. I know the world's telling you something different. It's telling you to, I've even seen commercials, live loud and live noisy. Let people know you're there. But as with everything in the kingdom of God, it's totally countercultural. It means loving people and going unnoticed. It means praying for people and they'll never know you're praying for them. It means loving even when it hurts. It means living a quiet life. It means working with your hands and minding your own affairs and those kind of things. And those are things I want to focus on today. That if you aspire in the year of 2016 to live a quiet life, not only will you find a peace that you've not known and would silence some of those Better said, that restlessness in your mind or that restlessness in your soul that you feel you have to be noisy about. If you aspire to live a quiet life, you'll find a peace that passes understanding and a peace that will bring you so much joy and so much satisfaction. But even more important than that, you will please your heavenly Father. And this is about a relationship. The reason relationships are the most important thing of our life, the reason that we need to be connected to people in order to be healthy is because we were made that way. And the number one driving motivation of our life should be we should live a life to please God the Father. And I want you guys to hear that because that's what you're really looking for. There's many things out there. There's many people trying to sell you different things of what's going to make you happy. But what's really going to bring you satisfaction live a quiet life that is pleasing to God the Father? You know, I remember my aunt telling me a story when I was younger about one of my uncles. He was was a very serious uncle, you know, He probably had to carry too much weight. Well, he definitely had to carry too much weight from a young age. You know that weight of an abdicating father and that weight of trying to care for people in your family when things are broken and that weight of trying to learn how to be a man when no one taught you how to be a man. He carried all that weight. You could see in the way it affected his personality, the way he communicated with people, the way he let people into his life. You could see that he carried that extra weight. So one day my aunt said, let's all go to the park. I think there was this park in Cambridge, and it was a place where you had, you remember old school, if you were old school from my day, it was a big day, you'd end up in your underwear running through sprinklers in the middle of the city, and it was normal part of the culture. That was your bathing suit. That was like normal. They'd see, oh man, there's a bubbler here. It's 95 degrees out. All of a sudden, all the fans were coming. People would be running through the sprinkler, and kind of they had that concrete thing that was absolutely not safe if anyone fell in it. You know what I mean? You went down, you were going down in that thing. And so they went to one of those spots. It was a beautiful day. They went to a nice little small park, and they had one of those things in the middle, and all the families came, and all the kids are playing, and there's just joy there. Now, my aunt is more talkative, as most women are more talkative. No? I got a lot of amens, but they were silent amens. And my uncle, he sat there and said nothing the whole day. He sat on the bench, and my aunt started saying, what's wrong? Is he not enjoying himself? Is there something wrong with him? 
Why isn't he saying anything? Why isn't he expressing that he loves us? Why is he saying this is a nice day? Why isn't he laughing? Why isn't he was just dead, stone, cold, quiet? And when you get dead quiet, it makes people uncomfortable, right? You try to get quiet in this culture, everyone's like, what the heck's wrong with you? Say something. Try to be quiet on the phone. I tried to listen more on my phone calls this week. Everyone got uncomfortable, including myself. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, I'm going to wait and ask you to listen to people, not wait till they're done so I can tell them what they should be doing. And he was just quiet the whole day. He just took it all in. He just observed. And, you know, a a word, Cliffy told me a word the other day, behold. And I was reading this book this week about, it's called The Imperfect Pastor and Living a Quiet Life and how that's what God calls us all to do. It talks about how we really need to behold things and observe things. Everything's so fast. Everything's so loud. Let's go from this to that to this to that. Before you know it, many times we're keeping our life busy so we don't have to deal with internal matters, our heavenly matters, our eternal matters. So my uncle sat there quiet the whole day. At the end of the day, they drove together with the kids and they dropped my uncle off with his daughter, daughters. And he said, that was one of the best days of my life. I said, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? You didn't say one word. He said, that's why it was one of the best days of my life. You know, and I'm just trying to understand the situation here and I'm expounding a little on it. It was one of the best days of life because he just sat there and he, he be... He learned how to just behold what is beautiful. Behold God's grace. Be quiet. Live a quiet life. Observe. Aren't those some of the best times in our life? Aren't the best relationships where you don't have to say anything to anyone? It's hard when you get to know everyone. Everyone gets uncomfortable, right? Oh, I've got to drive this person, so we've got to talk the whole time. It's great when you've been in those relationships a while, and you can just be comfortable not saying. That's when you know a relationship is healthy. You can take a car ride, or even at dinner sometimes, people look over and no one's saying anything. That could be a healthy relationship. Oh, they're arguing, either one. But to just behold what God has done, to just be quiet and experience his grace, to just take it all in, that you've been made in the image of God and God has loved you and God has sent his own son to die for you and God the Holy Spirit lives within you and God has given you a purpose and let that all quiet your soul. It's tough for us to be quiet now. This thing has taken our quietness away. Yeah, it's a success. I had to come up from the iPhone two and a half. Said enough, enough, the screen's falling off. I said, this is getting ridiculous. We don't know. We get quiet. We're like, what's going on? Whose business do I need to be in? What I need to tweet? Need some, like, we don't know how to be quiet. You know, sometimes it's good to shut this thing off. Many of us can't go to sleep without the TV on. Many of us don't know what to do with silence. Allow silence to be your friend because that's what God the Holy Spirit works to change you and make you more like Jesus. Amen? So today I want us to learn that, what it means to live a quiet life, what it means to mind our own affairs, what it means to listen to people instead of always wanting to be heard. And to live a life, most of all, that's pleasing unto our Heavenly Father. So if you'll turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 4, 11, and 12. We're just going to do two short verses today that are uh, they're power-packed. It says, And to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may live properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So I know this is crazy to say 
in a Bostonian culture, right? Have you ever told, has anyone ever said to you, live quietly? Or they said, be louder. You ever been in a strictly Bostonian household? You can't even hear yourself think. No? If you come from an Italian background or even an Irish background, everyone's yelling at each other. You walk in the room, why the heck's everyone yelling at each other here? Everyone's loud. They don't think they're going to be heard. Everyone's got to be noticed. And I know this is cultural because Paul, even when he's writing to the Thessalonians that were in Thessalonica, this was one of the largest cities at the time. It was a loud city that taught you you need to be loud to live. You know that kind of? If you don't live, if your life's not noisy, if people don't know you're there, that's not really living. It was loud. It was industrial. There was no quiet to it. So when Paul writes this, he said, listen, I'm telling you to aspire to something that's not like the culture would tell you to aspire to. So I'm telling you the same thing today. I'm telling you we don't need to be loud when people disagree with us. We don't need to be loud when we feel unnoticed. We don't need to be loud when we're bored. Some of you treat boredom as if it's your enemy when really you need to learn what to do in those quiet times to cultivate your life with God and others. Some of us are afraid of boredom, and that's when we do our worst thing. I'm bored. What am I going to do? Let me post a stupid picture. Like, we don't know how to approach the quietness that shapes us and makes us more like our Savior, Jesus. Um... I was watching a commercial this week for Harley Davidson. And it's the same thing that really, if I want to get it, the enemy wants to sell you. He wants to sell to you that you're not really living if you're not traveling the world, if you're not living it up, if you're not out there being loud, if you're not being noticed, if you're not doing crazy, adventurous things. So you watch this commercial, and it says what's in you is out there. And this guy starts, he's just in this regular job, and he's like, I can't be here anymore. I can't do it. How many feel like that five days a week? Do you know God wants you to master that? To master the mundane? It's not about getting away from that. It's about moving towards that and mastering that for the glory of God. And so it's saying, get away from that. He's saying, Harley Davidson is saying, according to their scripture. You've got to run. All of a sudden, this guy leaves his job. He rips off his suit. He's hitchhiking with the truck driver out to California. Before knowing, he's on the beach having a bonfire in California. Everyone's wearing Hawaiian shirts just like we're living, you know? Next thing, <laughs> next thing you know, he's in a fist fight in a bar because that's living, right? You've got to punch someone in the face to live, right? And he comes out of He's all banged up like he's alive. And, of course, at the very end, after he's de- he dove out of a plane, skied on the Himalayas, swam the deepest ocean... He's driving a Harley and he's happy. If you think driving a Harley is going to make you happy and take care of all your problems, I'm praying for you. (laughs) Now, if you like driving a bike, drive a bike, man. If you like skiing, skiing. Don't ski the Himalayas, but ski. But those things are not going to quiet your soul. Harley's selling you something that's going to ease your restlessness that's not going to ease your restlessness only thing that bring you peace when you observe and behold and believe and know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true and that your God, God loves you, your God is for you, your God has given you a purpose that you need to sacrifice for, suffer for, but in eternity you will be rewarded for. That's what's going to bring you peace. Want to hear about my nightlife? 
If people if Holly came in and studied my nightlife, it wouldn't be a commercial. <laughs> Monday night. One thing exciting about my Monday night, and this is gonna two things are gonna take away some of my man card today, and I'm okay. I'm gonna grow as a man today. I watched The Bachelor with my wife. Those people are crazy, and it makes me laugh. It makes me laugh. I can't. It cracks me up. It's so ridiculous. So we set up and watched The Bachelor. But before that, I go. I pick up my daughter. Nancy picks up Kara because it's around the same time. So he drops them off. I read on my little couch. And my kids were so quiet that I got concerned. You know when the kids are too quiet? I thought something happened to them. Then we watched The Bachelor, went to bed. Tuesday night, Women's Theology Night, watched my kids. They were so quiet, I thought something was wrong with them. I read, got in the scriptures, know that all through this is woven prayer and care and being there for people and those kind of things. Wednesday night, date night, in bed by 8. Sushi before that, though. It was one of the best nights, man. I'm telling you, this is a great night. I'm in bed like, hey, like, this is how you do it. Just at peace. You know, you don't have to go to bed at 8 to live a quiet life. But I'm telling you, man, it was date night. I was in bed at 8, and I was loving every minute of it. Thursday night, you know, take my daughter to basketball practice, do those kind of things. Friday night, stay and watch the Celtics. Saturday, take a rest from my quiet week. And, of course, I'm not telling you about working during the day. But you look at my nightlife, and you say, that dude ain't living. Let me tell you something. I'm living a quiet life that is fruitful and effective and influential and helps others. You guys understand me? When you live a quiet life, it's a life not only lived for yourself, but it's lived for others. You know, I'm not able to tell you all the phone calls I got to talk to people and people call for help and the prayer when no one will see and those kind of things. We need to cultivate a life where someone looks from outside and says, that's boring. But you know from inside, that's a fruitful, that's a peaceful, and that's a content life because you're pleasing God the Father. That's so important, guys, because the world's tugging you another way. And if you want to look back at your life and look back at your legacy and say, how did I live my life? Was it quiet and fruitful and productive, or did I live noisy for myself and I'm still empty? Let me give you a definition of a quiet life. Just two kind of things I wrote down. I was thinking through it. A quiet life is a life lived not to be noticed by others, but to bring glory to God. A quiet life is lived when we listen, observe, and behold more than we speak. A quiet life is lived when we mind our own affairs. And a quiet life is lived when we work with our hands so that we might not be a burden to others. A shorter definition. A quiet life is a life content with being unnoticed listening more than being heard, minding our own affairs instead of the affairs of others, and working consistently provide for ourselves. That's what I want us to do this year as a people. If we all do that, do you know how influential we'd be in our circle of relationships and how many people's lives would be changed, including ourselves, and how much pleasure that would bring to God? Some of us need to get off these gossip magazines too. Like even me. These gossip magazines, these gossip shows, these things that are getting us into other people's business. Because we forget that celebrities are people, right? Just because you're on a TV doesn't make you not a person, right? They pretend. The Kardashians pretend. No, those are people. Who cares what the heck is going on in their life? We're driving the demand for these foolish things. We have enough of minding our own affairs. And I know you're judging me because I watched The Bachelor. But I need grace too, (laughs) So one of the other things I did this week, anyone ever see Anna Green Gables? 
Come on, that's a good show. Some of you need to watch Anna Green Gables this week. I've lost my man card for the second time. So Thursday, late in the afternoon, me and my family, we sat down watching Anna Green Gables. I didn't realize how emotional this movie was going to make me. This movie is just an emotional movie for me. But I'm going to get more to it later in the sermon, but I want you to tell you about one character in this movie. It's this woman named Rachel. And I want you to know, I want you to ask yourself, am I Rachel? Or do I know a Rachel in my life? Rachel can't mind her own business. Rachel is on the porch like, what are they doing? What are they wearing? Where are they going? Rachel calls to see what happened in that situation that's none of her business. Rachel doesn't know how to have a conversation if that conversation is not about someone else. Rachel is ungodly. Rachel does not live a life that's pleasing unto God. I want you guys to see this. Because sometimes we laugh at gossips, right? They're gossips. They never stop talking about people. They hate everyone. <laughs> I love them. Do you know that when someone's a gossip, they're living their lives that are not pleasing to God? Some of you this week, if you went home and said, I'm going to stop talking about other people at the dinner table, and I'm going to stop you know, going home and everyone else is the issue, it would take 75% of your conversation away, and you wouldn't know what to do. You'd be like, what do we talk about? Me? But that's exactly what needs to happen. We need to mind our own affairs to live a quiet life. Because when you mind your own affairs, it opens up space for you to really ask questions about yourself and your relationship with God. Do you know we do that subconsciously so we don't have to think about us changing? Because everyone, it's so good, isn't it? In a sinful way. When someone else is so much more messed up than you. Man, I would never do that. I'm messed up, but them, whoo! It makes us feel good. That's how we deal with our problems instead of dealing with our problems. That's why Jesus said, you got a two by four across your own face and you're picking a speck out of your brother's eye. We got two by fours in our life that are sinful. And we need to mind our own affairs so that we can repent before God and the Holy Spirit can change us so that we can live to the glory of God. Do you guys hear that? The second thing we need to do is work with our hands. We're getting too lazy. We're getting too lazy. We're getting too entitled. We want other people to take care of us all the time. But to live a quiet life, you've got to take care of yourself. And if you get in trouble, just call on your brother, right? You're there for each other when something horrible happens. But it shouldn't be the normal. This is what it said in the scripture. Mind your own affairs and work with your hands so you might be able to provide for yourself. That is so important here. Do you ever notice people who don't have jobs are the biggest gossips? And they're not quiet. Which cracks me up. When you don't have a job and you're just loud about it. You're over everyone's house. And you actually have something to say about other people. Right? I'm being honest here, guys. I want us to be workers in this church. Don't be trying to work the system. Be trying to see how you can give to people. How you can carry your own loan. And if someone needs to help you carry to you until you can do that, make sure when you get on your feet, you're there for someone else in that same way. That's so important. 
we got to work with our own hands. Because even Apostle Paul talked about it, busybodies. He said they go from house to house and they gossip about what they got to gossip about and it's totally unpleasing to God and it's unholy. And he actually talks about that's how the enemy gets in and disunifies things. This is how serious it is. We got to work with our hands. So whether you're an engineer or whether you're a construction worker, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or whether you're um, a nurse or a landscaper, whatever you do, do it well. Master it. I'll never forget when um, Bill Russell, he asked his father, he says, his father told him this lesson. He said, I don't care what you do, Bill. He ended up being one of the greatest centers in NBA history. He said, I don't care what you do. I just want you to be the best at it. If you become a grave digger, I want people driving across the country to see you dig graves. Whatever we do and whatever you've been called to do, master it, become the best at it. Don't just get by. Don't just punch in a clock. That's not holy. That's not godly. That's not pleasing. Nine to four, how can I get away with not working for the next eight hours? Do you think that's a witness to the power of the gospel? We need to be a set-apart people who live a quiet life and work with our hands at holy so people say what they do. Buddy, use your example. Buddy got the Angie's List certificate for customer service. When I see someone in our church get an award on Angie's list which is serious because you cared for your customers so much you know what that does for me as a pastor first of all it makes me proud second of all I think what a testimony of the gospel that people who love Jesus also work hard and work to the best of their ability thirdly to live a quiet life you've got to listen how many people have trouble listening Okay, everyone's hand should have been up, no? No, I'm only kidding. Well, at least 75%. Some of you are real quiet, and I thank God for that. I have trouble listening, I realized it. Even as a pastor, do you realize sometimes it's more helpful to listen to people than try to fix people? Sometimes people don't need you to fix them. Actually, all the time they don't need you to fix them. God is fixing them. But they do need you to listen and sometimes give guidance. We need to listen. People feel loved when they're listened to. I notice in my situation, sometimes I can't wait till someone finishes that last syllable, or sometimes I don't give them the last word, right? Listen, let me straighten your life out for you right now because I have come into the situation to save everybody. They don't need you to save them. That's what Jesus did. They need you to listen. Now, you don't have to get weird about it. I had this other pastor... (laughs) This brother listened too much. Like, I didn't even know he was on the phone. I'd be like, Kevin? Kevin? It'd be like a minute later, he'd be like, yes, brother. I'd be like, stop doing that, bro. I think something happened. Like, you can take listening too far. (laughs) But really, to make a conscious, intentional effort to say, I'm going to listen to you. That your words matter. That your life matters. That your troubles matter. That your joys matter enough for me to listen. And I ask you, do people matter that much to you that you would listen to them? Because that's what a quiet life takes. I'm actually going to spend the next 20 minutes of my life listening to a, another human being and what they're going through without saying anything. Sometimes people figure out their own problems when they're talking to you. You ever see that happen? Just be like, listen, I know i got to do this and this, and you'll be like, word? 
and they'll walk off like, man, thanks for talking to me. I didn't say nothing, bro. They just needed someone to listen to them. When you come to your prayer life, this is one of the most important things I'm learning. I remember they asked Mother Teresa, what does your prayer life look like? She said, I just listen. I listen. You should even listen more in your prayer life than you speak. I'm learning this. You want to have a fruitful prayer life? Sit there and be quiet and listen. That's why the word of God is so good. Sometimes just read a verse as God's speaking to you and just listen and think about it. Sometimes we want to panic, right? And we want to get loud and we want to gossip and we want to figure everything out. What we really need to do is get quiet and seek, allow God to speak in the situation and realize that God, the Holy Spirit, is moving in our joys and even in our trials and in our sufferings. Quietness, the quiet life is the one we need to aspire to. There's a story I love growing up in um, children's church and Sunday school. Everyone know the story of Elijah when he heard the voice of God? Well, if you don't, I'm telling you now. He's running away from, he was prophesying against evil kings and everyone was worshiping, God's people worshiping other gods. It was a horrible situation in the Old Testament. And Elijah came by a mighty prophet doing mighty deeds and they wanted to track down and kill him as they did with most of the prophets. And so Elijah gets to this place, he actually retreats to this cave and he's waiting to hear the voice of God. He's waiting for direction in his life. And I want you to hear this when you're looking for direction in your life. He goes up. And all of a sudden, there's a mighty wind. And the scriptures make it very clear. There's a mighty wind to the point it breaks the rocks. Like, I'm talking like a might, mighty hurricane-like wind. And it says, God was not in the wind. And then there was a tremor with an earthquake. And it said, God was not in the earthquake. Then God, mighty in a mighty way, made fire appear before Elijah. And said, God was not in that. Meaning, that's not the way he was speaking to him. And then at the very end, when you have the earthquake, the fire, the wind, he says, then you heard a low whisper. And God directed him in his life. Some of us need to get still long enough in our daily life to hear God whisper to our souls the gospel of Jesus Christ and to give us direction. And out of that, when that low whisper came, Elijah got direction of what to do next in his life. Some of us get loud and panicking when we know what to do. We need to quiet and um, contemplate what God has next to us. Because what does God do when we pray? He says, go into the secret. He's a quiet God. Only times it gets rowdy when you're worshiping him, right? Go in the secret. I'll reward you in the secret. Don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Be on notice. What did Jesus always say when he healed someone? Don't tell anyone. What we do, tweet that out, brother. Don't tell anyone. Be quiet about it. And I'm so excited. Next week we're starting a whole series. Of probably the most I've been excited, God, the Holy Spirit, and his work. And you'll see how God, the Holy Spirit, works. It's in the quietness. It's in the stillness. That's the most influential. That's the stuff that changes the world. When people get a hold of a quiet life and live holy before God. You know, what cracks me about, up about the scriptures, because you know how everything we try to sell to people now is for their own good. Like, the only way I can sell you is something if it's going to help you out, right? We're in this selfish society where it's going to be good for me. I'm not doing it. Listen, following Jesus is always good for you. Worshiping God is always good for you. But it should never be the driving motivation. We are creatures not made to be solely motivated by our own glory, but the glory of God. And let me explain this to you. All you have been parents, even you have been kids with your parents, 
you understand that one of the greatest things is when you see that your child, let me say this right, your child makes a hoop. Who do they look at? The father. Are you pleased with what I just did? A child gives you a report card. What are they looking for? What are they motivated by? They want it to be pleasing to their father. We forget that in our relationship with God, that we need to be motivated to please our Father. And I want to share this picture with you. We've never done this before, but we're getting high tech around here. Okay? That's not a man bun. One night, my daughter was staying up late, and I want you to understand how them being motivated by pleasing your Father. And I want to understand these earthly relationships, they help us understand our relationship with God. It was a rough night, as many of us. You know, if you're going to live a week, three do- those days are going to be rough. It was a rough night. My daughter, I didn't even realize she was doing this for me. I woke up the next morning, one of those mornings. Mornings can be tough sometimes, can't they? Like, I'm going, man, this is rough. What's going on? I come to my desk, and this is sitting on my desk. She had made this for me. Now, those are little hearts. You've got to understand what went into this drawing. Those are all little hearts around us. And this t-shirt is my favorite t-shirt. That's Talia and Kara. I wear it and I let them know this is my favorite t-shirt. What she did, she wasn't motivated by, I got to draw a picture, I'm doing this for me. She said, I'm going to do this to please my father. And in pleasing her father, she found much joy and happiness. Do you guys get that? That's why I want you to be motivated to live a quiet life. I want you to be motivated to live a quiet life because it's pleasing unto your heavenly Father first. That's what should drive us. That's what we made for. The scriptures never says, do this for you first. It always says, be obedient, live a quiet life, do this for God first, and in that you will find your joy. So the greatest joy you will find is in pleasing your heavenly Father. Secondly, we do it because it's a witness to those around us. When we live quiet lives, it is a witness to those around us. There's nothing worse than a person who just says they believe and their life does not back up their beliefs. Can I get an amen? You can tell everyone in your life, I'm a follower of Jesus. And if you're up in the strip club when you say that, that's a weak testimony. If you say you're a follower of Jesus and you're Rachel at that table gossiping about everyone, that's not going to be a powerful witness. Do you guys hear me? I'm not saying this to condemn everyone. I'm saying this so we become aware of it and we can repent of it so that we might be a witness to others. Because that's our mission. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And some of you might say, that's not a very influential life, right? If I live a quiet life, if I do what Pastor Joey just said, everyone's going to forget about me. I'm not really going to change the world. I'm not going to be influential. 
I tell you, that's absolutely untrue. Quiet lives are the ones that change the world. And let me finish it up with Anna Green Gables for you. For those of you who saw, I hope your favorite character was Matthew. For those who saw Anna Green Gables, yes? Absolutely. And Rachel, I wasn't talking about you when I said Rachel. (laughs) I'm watching this movie and I realize I I love this movie because it's such a quiet setting. I love quiet life. I don't like the hustle and bustles. I don't like lights blowing in my eyes. I don't like everyone's got to prove something. Blank, blank. Come on, dog. I don't like that. What is that? I hate that. I did that in high school and I was miserable. I realized I liked this because it was quiet. They're riding through the fields. It was so quiet you could actually hear God's creation. You could hear the wind blow through the trees. You could hear the water. You could hear the birds. You could actually hear people talking in a still, small way. And then you got Matthew. Matthew's the man because he doesn't say everything's on his mind. He's a verbal assassin. He says something when it has to be said, when it should be said, and when he opens his mouth, it lifts up people. And so he, if those of you who don't know the story, Matthew is older. He's probably, I'll say old in his 90s because I don't want anyone to feel old in here. <laughs> he's older. And he's quiet. And he goes to pick up. He thinks he's picking up him and his sister who are older now. They own this place called Anna Green Gables. And they decide, you know what? We're going to adopt a boy because we need someone to help out with the farm. He thinks he's going to pick up a boy. He shows up, and it's Anne with an E for those who watch the movie. He picks up Anne, and he's like, oh, my goodness, because his sister, he's quiet. His sister isn't. God made Marilla different for his glory. Marilla speaks her mind. She's always mad, very stern, but Matthew lives a quiet life. And he says, man, Marilla's going to be upset. And he's like, what's going on? I can't bring you home. You're a girl. But he's quiet, and he starts to look and observe the situation. He says, all right, jump in the wagon. And they drive very quietly back to there. And he's so influential because what he does is when he says something, it matters. Marilla's like, we can't keep her. She's not a boy. We need a boy for the farm. And he keeps almost, you know how someone, the expressions say more than what they say. He just keeps, I don't know, I don't know, whatever. He goes through his motions. He lives his quiet life, and he influences. Before you know it, him who says the least influences the situation and is with them. Every day he gets up early. No one knows about it. No one's praising him. He's on notice. He works the farm. He works hard. And you see two or three situations. Because he doesn't say anything, when he says something, everyone respects it. Anyone know someone like that? He comes up and he speaks and he changes things. From her staying with them, for her going to school, all the way to the end, he is the biggest influence in the story and he's the quietest we've never thought about that before i know i haven't do you guys think the most influential people are the loudest people be honest the most influential people are the ones who live quiet lives and their words mean something and when i watch this movie matthew dies i just messed up the movie for some of you it was the worst moment of my cinematic career I walked in. I, di- I didn't even watch it this time because I've seen it so many times. I opened up the door. Talia kept covering her face as she was crying. Kira, you know her. She's fighting it off. She's stone cold like, no, I don't cry. I just feel. Natalie's crying because everyone's crying. I look, 
everyone was crying because you realize this guy who lived a quiet life, even though it's just a story, he influenced that story so much. And even in our actual life, it's the quiet ones that change our worlds. The ones who care about what they say. And I want you guys to hear that today. In closing, it's the last one in our sermon series. Let's be new in this way. Let's not aspire to be loud, aspire to be loud, and aspire to be noisy, and aspire to be noticed. Let's aspire to be quiet. Let's aspire to listen. Let's aspire to work hard and work well. Let's aspire to mind our own affairs, all to the glory of God, to please our Heavenly Father as our motivation. Amen?